trip like I've just been where um, I visited about four different churches, maybe five, um, and, and had the opportunity to speak at about eight different meetings during a process of about 16 days and had conversation with multiple people. And, and amongst those things that we talk about is not just, you know, the general things of life. We talk about church and we had the privilege of staying with um, pastors in their home, stayed with leaders in their homes, and, and, and some nights we would sit up until one o'clock in the morning and talk about church and, and the challenges of church and the joys of church and the realities of church. And, and in those moments, you recognize that none of this can be done. None of us can be done without the precious Holy Spirit. None of our conversations can be, can be sealed and directed and, and, and um, savored by unless, we, unless we're under His guidance. Because so many of those moments are, are, are so overwhelmed with the, with the reality of what we face as human beings in this life. And unless God's Spirit guides us and, and shows us you know, what the right way is and possible answers, there's just no answer. There's no way for us. And so it's in the light of that that I just come into our gathering this morning again and realize how amazingly important Holy Spirit is in our lives. And we are, have been speaking about Him, and the guys have done so well um, over the last couple of weeks talking about who He is and, and, and who, what He has come to do and how He wants to help us and comfort us and guide us and, and various things about Him have been mentioned. And, and so this morning, I want to talk about the personal relevance that He has in our lives. We've spoken much about the person of the Spirit. But I want to speak about how that applies to our lives and, and how that can happen. And I want to, first of all, just contrast the difference between the Old and the New, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And help us see just how desperate we actually should be for God's Spirit to, to guide us and to be respected and, and, and identified as the one who we need in our lives. And, and then we've said it a couple of weeks ago that so often He is the forgotten God, that we know about the Father, we know about Jesus, but Holy Spirit often is the forgotten God. And when you look at at the Old Testament, it's very interesting how you see how in the Old Testament, God's Spirit came upon individuals, particular people at a particular time for a particular purpose. But His Spirit was not on all. It's very clear that men like Abraham and Moses and the well-known names, they could not do what they needed to do unless God's Spirit empowered them to do what they needed to do. But God's Spirit only came on those individuals, particular people, particular time, particular purpose. And I'll give you just a few to help you see how this took place. In, in Exodus chapter 31, for instance, there's, there's this process where, and we did the whole series of Exodus, and we surely would have spoken about this. But there's a man in chapter 31 where God speaks to Moses and he says, See, I've called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And listen to what God says to Moses about this man. 
He says, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, and cutting stones. So there was something that needed to be done, and we're not going to talk about the, the, what needed to be done now. But, but God's saying, this man cannot do this unless my Spirit comes on him, enabling him to do what he needed to do. We see, for instance, in the book of Judges, and I just rushed through a couple of examples to help you see how God, particular time, particular people, particular purpose, had um, spoken through them and worked through them through His Spirit. Judges chapter 3 and verse 10. It's talking about a man called Othniel. How many of you have read of Othniel recently? You remember that guy, hey? That one. Yeah. I know you kind of, or maybe some of you have read about him. But anyway, in the book of Judges, God is raising up people called Judges to, to lead his people. And he speaks about this man called Othniel in this way. It says in verse 10, The Spirit of the Lord was upon him, and he judged Israel. Particular person, particular time, particular purpose. We carried on in Judges 6, where we come to know about a man called Gideon. Many of you may have heard about Gideon, but yeah, we see something about him again in verse 34. It says, Judges 6, verse 34, but the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon. I love that word, clothed. It's kind of like he, he filled him. He was completely surrounded by, by the Spirit of the Lord, and he sounded the trumpet, and the Abyssalites were called out to follow him, and, and this, the story carries on there. From there. The point is this God's Spirit, Holy Spirit, came upon these men, particular people, particular time, particular purpose. Another one is in Judges 15. Listen to this, where we read again about this happening in uh, Judges 15, verse 14. This is the story of Samson. Most of you would have heard about Samson. Amen? Okay? So this is what happens to Samson. It says, verse 14, when he came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting to meet him. Listen to what happened. Then the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and the ropes that were on his arms became as flax that has caught fire, and his bonds melted off his hands. <laughs> and so, yeah, he goes and he kills a couple of people. That's not why, particularly, the Spirit of the Lord wants to come upon us today, praise the Lord. Uh -huh. But the point is that God needed him to do something, and he was absolutely desperate for the Spirit for God to help him to do what he needed to do. So we see these instances in the Old Testament saying that the Spirit of God comes upon people for something specific. But not only do we see the, the, the incidents taking place, what we also see in the Old Testament, by the way, we would be able to use multiple examples of how God's Spirit came upon individuals, all right? But what we also see in the Old Testament are, are people that spoke about this happening one day. That not only was it happening on particular people, not all people, but God's Spirit was speaking to individuals. We call them prophets. And they gave these prophecies that one day something different to what they were experiencing at that time was going to happen. And let me show you from Isaiah. Okay, we're going to be walking through the Bible a bit this morning, all right, which is good for you. Amen. Some of you are like, you know, I don't know. No, it is very good for you. 
Say to your friend or your brother or your wife or whoever's next to you, you know, we're going to go through the Bible. Stay awake. Join me. Invite them. All right. Isaiah 44. Let's go to Isaiah. Isaiah 44. Talking about the fact that new life comes to those who are filled. We're talking about the Spirit of God coming. So Isaiah gives this incredible prophecy that God gives him, and he speaks to the people. He says in verse verse 3 of Isaiah 44, For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. So God is using this picture or these um, words to help us understand what he wants to do. So he uses words like water and, and I'll pour out to illustrate something that he's about to do in the spirit. He says, I will pour my spirit upon your offspring, which means your children. Correct? We don't often talk about my offspring. But we talk about our children, really, same thing. And it says, and my blessing on your descendants. And they shall spring up among the grass like willows by flowing streams. And so God's using this to say to someone like Isaiah to speak to the Israelites and say, your offspring will one day receive the Spirit of God upon them. It's not just individuals, but all. And the all we'll define later on. Then we find a similar thing in Ezekiel. You still with me? All right, we're talking about God's Spirit. And this morning's title is Being Filled with the Spirit. And uh, I want to talk to you about that and using this context or creating context for us. So in Ezekiel chapter 36, we read the following. And verse 26. Ezekiel 36 and verse 26. Hi, here it is. It says, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Verse 27, it says, how will that happen? There it is. We've just seen that heart of stone will become a heart of flesh. How many of you know what a heart of stone looks like? Huh? Sometimes we need to look in a mirror and see, oh, there's a bit of a heart of stone there. The way that I present myself, the way that I think about people, the way that I think about myself even, the way that I think about the future, I just have no hope. That's a heart of stone, my friend. So God says, when I come and my spirit is put within you, cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Go back to 26. It says, the effect of that is, I will remove a heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. So a soft heart, a tender heart, a heart that's pliable, that God can use. And that's what we all need to actually experience. Something change within us. We can change the outer. (laughs) And we spend a lot of time on that, isn't it? But our, our focus here on a Sunday, our journey as people of God, is to allow God not to change the outer, because God's already formed the outer. Tough. That's who you are. <laughs> I'm like, God, Jesus, won't you make me? No, that's what I want you to be. Be happy with that. But what I want to do is change the inner. How does God want to do that? And he here gives a, a way. He says, my spirit will be put within you. And I think so often we, this is where the, the ignorance comes in. That we think that the spirit of God is just given so that we can have strange things happen in church, for instance. Or many people say, speak in tongues, which is a great thing. But that's just so little in comparison to what the Spirit of God has really come to do. 
People think, yeah, I can speak in tongues. Well, watch me. Well, that's great, my friend, but how does the heart look like <laughs> where the Spirit of God really wants to work? It's not through your tongue only, and it's great that what Clive had shared about the tongue, but the, it's, it's the nature that changes the speech, all right? So if my tongue constantly speaks um, negativity and criticism and judgment, something of the heart is the issue, isn't it? Jesus said, Whatever the heart is full of, the mouth will speak of. And so we're trying to change our speech. Let me just, I'm going to focus on, focus on that. Let me just look at different images or whatever to change my speech. No, just consider your heart and say, God's Holy Spirit, won't you change my heart? It's just for free this morning. It's not part of the notes. Huh. All right? Just if there's a speech problem, there's a heart problem. Amen? So don't try to just, you know, say better things. Allow God to do better things in your heart. And that comes through the Word of God, by the way. So Ezekiel says, we, we are filled for a purpose, that our hearts will change. Then Joel, this well-known portion in Joel comes up, where um, we read about what God will, will one day do through all of us. And it's in this beautiful book called Joel. If you ha have a Bible on hand, try to turn there. It's so good for you, because you'll need to make, some extra effort to find Joel. <laughs> if you've got the swiping thing, it's easy, hey? You just go down the Bible and you look for it. But turn to Joel. And um, it's good to do Bible drill, by the way. Anyway, Joel chapter 2, again, this prophetic promise that's given here in verse 24. Joel chapter 2 and uh, verse 28, rather. Look at verse 28, not in verse 24. It's my, it's my typing error there. It says, and it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Say with me all. All. All right? All. What is all in, in the belly? What? Bonke. Conke. Bonke or conke? But you say bonke, but it sounds like B. Bonke. And in, and in Shona? Where? Zwese. Zwese. So in Afrikaans, amal. Amal. Alles. <laughs> all right? So God is saying that this is relevant for all. Not just for one. Not particular people only. Particular times, particular purpose, all. And so, yeah, we are introduced to it as well. It says, and it shall come to pass afterwards. This is speaking about what's to come. Jesus is about to come. That I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Well, old men always dream dreams. What's so special about that? <laughs> no, these are different kind of dreams. God is saying, I will speak to you in a way that I've never spoken before. I will reveal things to you that you've never seen before. So even in your dreams, you will hear me speak. And your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. So God is encouraging us. saying, there's something that is going to come. And we are living in that dispensation. We are living in that time. We need to be reminded this morning 
that God's Spirit has indeed, and we will talk about it just now, that He has, he has indeed come to live on all. Amen? And, and if you're a born-again believer this morning, that includes you. Certainly does. So now let me take you to the very last verse in the Old Testament. How many of you know what the last book in the Old Testament is? Uh, Exodus, Deuteronomy, Jumbos. Yeah, yeah, that one. Malachi. All right. It's easy to find Malachi. Just find Matthew and then go back one page. If you don't know where Malachi is, just go to Matthew uh, and then turn one back. In Malachi 4, God's again talking to, to the Israelites. But again, now he's also again talking to them about what is to come. One of the beautiful things that he talks about in this verse, that in the age to come, an age just to come, that includes you and me, all, amen? You're included. The Bible is talking about you this morning. And by the way, the Bible always, talk, always talks about us, <laughs> by the way. But yes, specifically, it says a certain thing, that, that there will be a man, they call him Elijah here, but actually we know that it turns out to be John the Baptist. And in verse 6, well, verse 5, let me read to you verse 5 first of all, in uh, Malachi 4 and verse 5. It says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet. You're like, oh, Elijah has just been, isn't it? Are you going to raise him up again? No, this is another person. He's talking about somebody that's going to do something similar. It says, Elijah the prophet, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. So basically what it means is that Elijah or John the Baptist is not going to do that physically. He's going to introduce something that will bring this about. So God's saying, the way that people deal with one another is not good. The way that they deal with me is not good either. But yes, specifically, he addresses the way that people deal with one another and says, I want to change that. How many of you know that needs to happen in our world today? At the moment, this nation is divided. Come on. And, and, and what elections do is that they reinforce that. That they reinforce this division. That I'm from here and I'm from there and I don't... We don't just don't know. We, we fight each other. And uh, it wasn't 52% or 56 or 54%. It was actually that. But nobody really can prove that. And, and so we become divided again. We're at that place again where we are prone for that to happen. Amen? Oh, we've got what happened in Bulawa. It's wonderful. All these things happened for that particular party. It means that we are different than Harare again. So what we do is we reinforce this, this difference thing, that we are different to one another. And, and we've got to watch as a church of God that we do not fall prey to that. We may even have differences here around political sentiments this morning. And our greatest sentiment cannot be politically, ladies and gentlemen. Our greatest sentiment shall be and should only be the kingdom of God. And it's only possible if we allow what the scripture does talk about to bring that about. The heart of stone becoming a heart of flesh. Amen. And so it's through the Spirit of God. And that's why when we talk about God's Spirit, it's not about just having a great spiritual moment on a Sunday. No, it's going to be tested tomorrow. I hear that people are saying, oh, we can't have church today because the rumors are, what is going to happen? And what about the police? And I'm like, my goodness me. If there's one nation that, that falls prey to rumors, it's this one. 
Maybe some of our friends are not here this morning because of a rumor. And I understand that, you know, in some places in, in, in our city, it's, it's perhaps more difficult than it would be for me. I'm just up the road here. I could have walked easily. And, and for others, it's maybe a little bit more difficult because of public transport, etc., etc. I'm just saying that we've got to make sure that this time that we are not led by the things of the world, but we are led by the Spirit of God that has now, as we talk through this, been given to us to make it realistic. What this talks about, the hearts of the fathers turn to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. That's a major work. How many of you agree with that? It really talks about people turning towards one another. How do we do that? It's when the heart of flesh is turning, a heart of stone is turned into a heart of flesh. Who does that work? Not you and me, not one political party, not one church. It's the Spirit of God. And so we need to recognize him. He is a person as we've been speaking. But he has a personal relevance in your life. Turning your heart, my heart of stone into a heart of flesh. Wherever is a hardness, a stubbornness, an unwillingness in your heart. That is a boom, 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 red sign. That's a horrible noise, isn't it? But it's actually the Spirit of God making that noise in our hearts, saying, my son, my daughter, there's something in your heart that needs to change. And you can only let it change if you submit to me and my ways and allow the Spirit of God within you, because He is within you. You don't have to come to a physical building to walk in and like, whoa, this morning it's going to happen. The great songs that we've had, it's just beautiful um, experience with God's Spirit, now it will change. No, it's when you actually go home and you spend time with God and you let the Word of God affect your heart and my heart and, and a heart of stone can become a heart of flesh. And in that we recognize, Holy Spirit, this is only possible through you. And so I don't want to ignore you anymore. I don't want you to be the forgotten God in my life. I want you to be the God that I'm walking with, that I'm when I wake up in the morning, I say, good morning, Holy Spirit. Hey, it's so good to wake up with you. Actually, it's so good to wake up for you because my day belongs to you. So, so the Old Testament closes with this. It closes with this major challenge of how do we see this happen? How do we see a world that is so divided, that is so pro this and anti that and, 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 and all sorts of opinions. And how do we see a world turning towards one another? It's only when we turn towards God that God's Spirit then comes and, and lives within us. And then we become different. And even though we may still look different, because you look different. I look different. <laughs> we come from different backgrounds. But there's someone that brings us together. And I, and I just tasted some of that again when I went to the Czech Republic. Here I have people that, that come from such a different background. I mean, I walk into places, they say to me, oh, this is from the 12th century. <laughs> I'm like, okay. That's a bit old, eh? You're like, yeah, we go around like, oh, that was built in 1830 <laughs> or 1925 or whatever it may be. And by the way, for that matter, it's not even that old even. And we've got stuff around here, the Kami ruins and those ruins and like, but there you go into places like, oh, this is a ninth century. Like, yeah, we have catacombs that from the 11th century. I'm like, oh, it's like weird. We, we don't have that kind of framework when we think about places and, and history, in, 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 in particular in our world. Yeah. But the point is, 
that for years, for centuries, this has been God's desire. That He wants to turn the hearts of people towards Him and the hearts of people towards one another. And we're particularly, again, living in such a time where we are going to be challenged to make sure that the Spirit of God within us is allowed to do the work that He wants to do. We see now, if you just turn over to the Gospels, turn with me to the book of Luke, please. And, and I just want to show you, we just read Malachi 4, where it talks about this person that's going to come and be part of a process. And in Luke chapter 1, we see that again being referred to in Luke chapter 1 and verse 17. This is a prophecy that was given to the man called Zechariah. Zechariah was the father of John the Baptist. And so God's Spirit um, speaks to him through an angel. And in verse 16, he says the following about the son of his that will be born. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. In, the gospel, in, in how he will speak and the message that he will bring. And it says, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. Listen to this. To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, just and to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And that's why we say John the Baptist was preparing the way. He was preparing the way that was going to come. And the way had a name and has a name. His name is Jesus. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So John the Baptist comes, and with the Spirit of God upon him, he does these things. And it's quite interesting because John the Baptist is almost like an Old Testament prophet still. Even though we find him in the New Testament, he still does the job like what an Old Testament prophet did. He was speaking about someone to come. And, and he was born at the same time and lived at the same time with this man. But once this man enters into his ministry, so-called, John the Baptist disappears. Amazing, eh? You see that. And the way that he disappeared was another story. But John the Baptist fulfilled what he needed to do. He prepared the way for Jesus' coming. So that in the season that was coming and where you and I still live, we will see the hearts of the fathers turn to the children and the children to their fathers. And then we find this beautiful uh, promise in Luke chapter 3, if you want to go there with me, where John the Baptist is still saying, then this is how things will happen. This is what really is going to be the key for you. He's speaking to the people. In Luke chapter 3, he says the following. As the people were in expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ. They thought, no, oh, this is now the guy. This is actually the guy. No, he says, John answered them all, saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Wow. I love that. He's just referring, hey? Referring to somebody else. And then he says, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And in that one sentence there, I believe he introduces us to how we're going to be able to live the life that John the Baptist has been speaking of. Where people turn 
towards one another. And it says he was also introduced by the angel to his father Zechariah, one who will turn the hearts of, of the people towards God. And so the Spirit of God amongst us and in us and around us has really been given for that purpose. So the Messiah was going to come to introduce a new way of living for us that would only be possible through His Spirit. I think, this is my, or I just quote Dave A.C. said, and if it's wrong, it's wrong. <laughs> but I think we so often ignore, neglect, or don't recognize the importance of Holy Spirit because we only connect Him and see His importance in corporate gatherings. So when our language is as follows, sure, it was a great meeting. You really sense the Spirit's presence there. It's wonderful. It's great. Oh, wonderful. Did you not experience something great? God's Spirit was there, and God's Spirit did this, and God's Spirit healed people, and, and the gifts of the Spirit was there, and et cetera, et cetera. Wonderful. But how few people will say, you know what, last night when I had time just with my family, just really felt the Spirit of God there. I went to work this morning, and man, I felt like I really could do what I needed to do because the Spirit of God helped me. I stood in front of my class, and I taught them mathematics, and I really felt God's Spirit gave me a breakthrough. And I was work, working on the car, and I, I just didn't know how to fix that thing, and God's Spirit just helped me, showed me. I was in the shop, and I didn't know really how to spend my budget and how I could, and God's Spirit just helped me to fit it all together. And, boom. and so this is the addition to the preach. My name is Tulvesi. Hello. Oh, wow. That's generator. Anyway, so we're carrying on, and it'll take some time for all the systems to get back into play. So I think this is what goes wrong. We, we put the Holy Spirit in a box. And we say, that's where you function. That's where we would love you to, to move. And we sing songs like that. Come, Holy Spirit, move amongst us. And, and we attribute His presence to a corporate gathering. That when we leave the corporate gathering, it's kind of like He stays behind. Isn't it? We think like that. When we come back, it's like, oh, the Spirit of the Lord's here. No, the Spirit of the Lord is here because you're here. Amen? Amen. He's chosen to live inside of you and me. That's why He's here. And now He's obviously everywhere. Not just where people are, but we sense Him mostly because we are spirit beings. And we recognize His presence that way. And so this is what happens, is that God's Spirit has been given for life, for everything that involves life. And we need to welcome, appreciate, recognize, and honor Him in all those areas. That when you go home, when you drive, He's there with you. Don't ignore Him. Welcome Him. Appreciate Him. And so how does this work? When does this all start to happen in our lives? That God's Spirit lives within us. And again, this is where... Some people think it is only related to, you know, a big gathering. You're going to come and receive something. I believe Scripture is very clear that the Spirit of God comes to live within us the moment we are born again. What does it mean to be born again? It means that I recognize that my life is, a heart of, is full of a heart of stone, that I'm stubborn, 
I've got sin in my life. I never confess that I'm you know, a sinner and I come to the knowledge that Jesus Christ died on the cross for me and I ask for forgiveness and I repent of my sins and I invite Him to be the Lord of my life. That's what it means to be born again. At that moment, the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, if you want to read that, Acts chapter 2, we read this wonderful portion where a preacher's made and a man by the name of Peter preaches and he says in Acts chapter 2, when they're asking him, now what shall we do because we realize we're sinners. And Peter said to them, Acts 2 verse 38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So how's that? In that moment, when you are born again, that's what happens. You receive this precious gift that comes. His name is Holy Spirit. And it's not a gift as what we can relate to Romans 12 or 1 Corinthians 12. It's a different Greek word here, by the way. This word gift really means that it's something that you receive without payment. It's like a gift that somebody gives you. It's just presence of God comes upon you. And in that moment, we not only are we born again, but we are filled with God's Spirit. And so we know then, sure, God's Spirit is within me, is upon me. And I become aware of His presence. The second thing that happens is that we become more aware of His power. So we, people, we find that people are born again in the Bible, and there's an additional experience that they have. Which for me is really the key for this life that God has called us to live. Thinking again of the context, relationally. By the way, your most important function on earth is a relational function. Did you know that? It's not just functional in terms of, I've got to, you know, repair instruments, or I've got to create this, or I've got to do gardens, or I've got to teach even. Your most important um, responsibility and function on earth is relational. And the only way that we can relationally have success is if we are in relationship with God and when His Spirit comes to live in me, within me, He enables me. He is the key to help me to relationally succeed. So if there's a problem relationally in your life at the moment, you've got to reach out to, to the Spirit of God and say, Holy Spirit, please help me to relationally change. Maybe I need to change. It's very interesting, if you read the New Testament and compare it to the Old Testament, how much of the New Testament speaks about relationship? And how much of the Old Testament talks about functional things that need to be put into place? So that Jesus can come and that Jesus can introduce a better way. And the better way includes a better way of relating. Please go and read the New Testament and you'll see how often it is spoken about attitudes towards one another. You don't read too much about that in the New Testament, although you will in Psalms and in Proverbs, for instance. But so much of the New Testament is an outflow of when this, the flow of the Spirit has taken place into the hearts of the people. But we only limit Him to gatherings. But He's actually come 
to change the way that we behave and treat people. And now is such a time for us to recognize that His Spirit is upon us, enabling us to cross boundaries and cross bridges and reach out to the other side. So we cannot go and camp on one side and say, this is who I am. Whatever I am, this is what I'll always be. And we actually create this distance between us and others. We've got to let the Spirit of God in us change us so that we can bring change. Now, I'm going to have to close now. But we need to carry on with this conversation about what the Spirit of and how He has come to actually. So next week, we're going to carry on talking about this and, and allow this incredible, beautiful revelation of who the Holy Spirit is and how He wants to work in us just take shape in our hearts. Are you okay with that? So please, I mean, I, this, is the, this is the challenge that we so often have, and, and it's a beautiful one, is that we're time limited, and I, I don't want to keep you too long, because I know that so much of what we talk about is not always ex received because of our own incapabilities as human beings. We can't focus for too long, and I'll be often sitting there as well. I've got limited time to capacity to receive. So I'm going to make sure that we don't preach too long. And so I want to stop, but I want to kind of pause, put a comma to where we are at the moment, talking about Holy Spirit and His relevance and how He has come to actually change the way we operate. Is that okay? Okay, let's pray. So we're going to just bank here for a week and, and come back on this point. Holy Spirit, I, I really thank you that we could have just laid a, a bit of a platform this morning to how incredibly gracious and kind, but how important you are. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that as we, as we just go and sit and ponder about how the Old Testament has actually prepared us for what we now can have and should have and ought to experience in you, I pray that for your people, for me included, that we will once again just stop and, and say, Holy Spirit, I thank you that we can see who you are. But I also pray that you will help me to see what you can do in my life and what you want to do in my life and how you want to do that. So I pray, Father, that, that what we shared about this morning, God will, will go further than just the few minutes that we've spoken together. I pray that our conversation will also carry on and help us with that, Father. Lord, I pray for this week. I pray for your people. I pray, Lord, that we will recognize that as we go into our various environments, that your Spirit wants to go with us and will go with us to think differently, to speak differently, to operate differently. And I pray that in this current moment, Lord God, we pray for peace in Zimbabwe. We pray, Holy Spirit, that, that what is currently taking place will not lead and, and, and transpire into any form of violence. Lord, we thank you just for your gracious hand upon our nation. We thank you for the people of this nation. We thank you for the people of this church that we will go and be, um, Lord God, as what Jesus, you said we ought to be, peacemakers, not just peace lovers. God says love peace, but not do anything about it. Help us to be what you want us to be. And go in your authority and your absolute confidence that you're with us.
But Lord, go and be what you want us to be. I pray for that in this particular week, Lord God, that it will be true. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.